Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. All right, good morning, good morning, Fusion Church family. How are you guys feeling today? You feeling good? All right, it's another good one. This morning we are in Luke chapter 20, verses 9 through 26. Luke 20, verses 9 through 26. Uh, we're continuing on this journey um, leading up to Easter with everything that happened um, to Jesus and his disciples in the week. You know, last Wednesday, we began with a triumphal entry and we're, we're seeing what he's been doing, you know, going into the temple and, you know, you know, giving his parables and, and everything. And as we're going through the various gospels, um, gospel portions of scripture, we are going to see some overlap okay we're going to see some um uh similar stories you know this that you know because the gospels do record some of the same things you know um today in this portion of scripture i'm going to be talking a little bit about um what pop talked about on monday you know but it's okay because every gospel writer has a little bit of a different perspective so um you know, it gives us new insight, new, 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 uh, uh, just new information about what happened during that time. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this, this morning, Lord God. We thank you for this opportunity, Father, Lord, that uh, we get to dig into your word, Father. I pray that we never um, lose sight of a privilege it is, Father, just to to be able to have a Bible and just to read your word, Lord God, and, and just to glean new insights directly from your word. So, Father, be with us during this time, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are on this call, Lord. Just, just be with them where they're at right now, Father. Holy Spirit, fill their rooms, fill their their their, their kitchens, their living rooms, their workspaces, their vehicles, wherever they are, that they're listening to your word this morning, Father. You just be with them, Lord, and just, just speak to them, Father. Open up their minds, open up their hearts, Father, to receive a word from you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. So Luke 20, verses 9 through 26, and I am reading from the New King James Version. Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to the vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at the vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant and they beat him also, treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned amongst themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. Then he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. 
Whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Verse 20. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous, that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. Then they asked him, saying, Teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay tax to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. But they could not catch him in his words and the presence of the people. And they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Amen. And amen. And amen. All right, let's give it a stretch. So again, we're seeing the chief priests trying to catch Jesus up. They're questioning him. Um and he tells this parable, right? And again, like I said before, you know, uh, on Monday, we we talked about this as well. Um, it says, verse nine, that a certain man planted a vineyard and he leased it to the vine dressers. Now, this was a um, something that was was fairly common in those days. It was a, like a, a tenant farming arrangement. And, and it was, again, very common practice in Jesus's day, and especially in the region of Galilee. Um, archaeologists have discovered records of of this same sort of of dispute happening between landowners and tenant farmers in the past and um so so this parable had had more than just a cultural connection it was it was also rooted in in the old testament because jesus you know his listeners would remember um that the vineyard was used in in the old testament as a picture of israel Okay, so when he's talking about the vineyard, he's not just talking about the a vineyard. Okay, he's also talking about Israel. You can read about that in Isaiah 5, verses 1 through 7. And in this parable, the tenants or the vine dressers, as, it, as is written in Luke, represents the religious leaders um, among the Jewish people. See, the vine dressers, they didn't buy the vineyard. Okay, and they did not, they didn't make the vineyard. You know, they were just allowed to work on the vineyard by a generous owner. Okay, these religious leaders, they didn't make Israel or they didn't plant Israel, but they were allowed by God to be leaders within Israel. This tells me that none of us are, 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 are we're only leaders by God's blessings. By God appointing us, and we cannot take this for granted, okay? Each and every one of you on this call is a leader in your own right. You lead somewhere, right? You know, you maybe you're a leader at the church. Maybe you're a leader in, in, at work, you know? And if you're not, you're a leader in your own home, right? Because you, you lead somewhere. And if even if you're single, you lead yourself. You are a leader, Okay. But God has appointed us to be able to do this. But these vine dressers that were that, that Jesus is talking about, they turned against their own the, the 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 owner of the vineyard. They turned against him, right? And and one day they were going to answer for their, have to answer for their rebellion, just like the religious leaders in Jesus' day. 
were going to one day have to answer for their rebellion against God because they didn't, by their own mindset, they were doing nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. But the way they treated the people, the way they treated Israel, they treated the vineyard was very much against what God wanted. Right. And that goes, that even goes for today. Be very wise, be very observant of the religious leaders that you're following. Not every YouTube preacher knows what they're talking about. Not every YouTube preacher has, has good intentions at heart, okay? Many YouTube preachers, and I ain't going to go through the list, okay? <laughs> but many YouTube preachers, they're, they're, they have a platform for the wrong reason. And one day, they're going to be held accountable. One day, the owner of the vineyard, Jesus Christ, is going to come calling, and they're going to have to be answer, answerable for that. This parable tells that God, the owner of all, that he is more patient with these rebellious uh, uh, tenants, these rebellious religious leaders, than we would ever be. And that there will be a final day of reckoning. So he says, what shall I do? In verse 13, I, I will send my beloved son. He had already sent servants to try, right? To get through to them. You know, three times he sent servants and they were beaten. How many times prior to Jesus coming did God send a prophet? Did he send, a, you know, so, so, you know, someone to, to, to open their eyes, to shake things up, Right. Their final prophet, you know, John the Baptist was sent to, to, to herald the coming of the Messiah, and they still did not listen. They still did not listen. So then what does God do? I'm going to send my son. Surely, surely they're going to listen to my son, right? He repeatedly tried to receive what was rightfully his from, from the vineyard and, and, and those who were working his vineyard, but they rejected each of his servants that he sent. So again, finally, finally, as I said, as I just said, I'll send my son. They're going to listen to him. They're going to respect him. They're going to obey him. But in verse 14, it says they see him coming and they say, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. Let us kill him so we can get what we deserve. Let us kill him. So that the vineyard could become ours. See, the renters of the vineyard, they foolishly thought that they could benefit from killing the son who had or maybe would inherit the, the vineyard. So they were they were very, very wrong in, in, in their assumption. Um, the tenants may have assumed that since the son was coming, that maybe the owner had died. So now the son was coming to take, take over. You know, so if they robbed and killed the heir, the vineyard would pass into their hands. Right. It was law um, or maybe even custom at that time that that those who had had used the land for for uh, uh, three years time, you know, they were presumed to own it if no other owner um, could claim that land. So maybe these tenants thought like, oh, we've been working this land for a long time. If the if the the owner's dead and maybe the son's dead, this will become ours. We'll, we'll be fully in control. We'll be fully in power, right? You know, we have these re religious leaders. And again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say names. I'm not going to say, you know, other, other face or whatever, but people who have completely removed God from the equation, 
completely remove God and, and they put themselves at the forefront. These religious leaders, they were so uh, 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 trapped by the law and they took it so, so seriously that they would make up their own laws, right? You know, there's, 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 there's the idea of, of rabbinical law where these rabbis, these, these teachers, you know, yes, they had the Bible, they had the Torah, right? But then they also believe in, in the teachings of certain rabbis that uh, have just as much weight as the Bible, right? That blows my mind. You know, even if you go, you know, and, and I may offend some people, but if you go to, to Catholicism, there's the idea that the Pope, when he, when, you know, his words, his, what he says has just as much weight, if not more than the Bible. Why do you think there's so many rules amongst churches that if you open up your Bible, you ain't going to find none of them rules. You're not going to find none of that stuff. But people hold on to these things. They hold on to this power, right? Why? Because they want to be in control. They want to be the focus of people. Instead of pointing to the Savior, instead of pointing to Jesus Christ, right? They're saying, no, 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 no. What we say goes. What I say is, is what's important. What I've written, what the Lord has divinely used me, so what I say matters. Not, not the Lord has used me, continue looking to him. I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just being used by God, but look to him. Continue looking to him. No, they're saying the Lord's using me, so look at me. Look at me. What I say goes. And Jesus is trying to shake things up. Jesus is saying, you guys have been messing up for so long and you're leading my people astray. This parable tells us that Jesus knew that he was the son, the son of God, and that he would, that, and he knew that he would be killed soon. Because of religious leaders, as he's telling the parable, he knows that they're talking that, that that he's talking about them. They know, they know he's talking about them. So, he, but it also saying that Jesus knows what's about to happen to him soon, right? And they know that he's talking about them because in sixteen they say certainly not. Like no, no. They they understood the parable immediately, but they objected that Jesus compared them to the rebellions and to the, the foolish tenants, right? Verse 19 says they knew he had spoken the parable against them, but in their blindness, they thought that could never be us. That would never be us. You know, how dare you, Jesus of Nazareth, compare us to the rebellious? How dare you? That would never be us. They refused to open their eyes. Jesus goes on to say, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Jesus, now he's teaching from Psalm 118, verse 22, because the Psalm describes the coming Messiah. And Jesus had, he had already been officially presented to Israel um, during the triumphal entry that we talked about last week. 
right? And so now he's he's further confirming, I am the Messiah. I have the I am the one that has been foretold. I am the one that you're waiting for. But the hostility of the Jewish leaders showed that this messianic stone, that they were indeed rejecting him. Jesus is saying, I am the stone that the builders rejected. And by their actions, the religious leaders are saying, we are rejecting you. Even though just last week the people were shouting hosannas, we are still rejecting you. Jesus is often compared to, to a stone or, or a rock in the Bible. He's the rock of provision that followed Israel in the desert. First Corinthians 10, 4 says, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He's the stone of stumbling. First Peter 2, 8 says, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumbled being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Jesus is also the stone cut without hands that crushes the kingdoms of this world. In Daniel 2, verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and his interpretation is true. Anyone who comes to Jesus will be broken of their pride. They will be broken of their self-will. However, those who refuse to come will be crushed by Christ in judgment. Verse 18, whoever falls on that stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to power. How are you coming to Jesus? How are you coming to him? If you're coming to him and you're laying yourself at his feet, yes, yes, you will be broken. But you'll be broken of your pride, of your self-will, of your selfishness, of all the things you'll be broken of it. However, if Christ is forced to come to you, at the end of the age, when it's when you if you have refused him and refused him and refused him, eventually you're gonna meet Jesus one day, but then you're gonna be ground to powder. That's what the word is saying. How are you approaching Jesus? Or are you waiting for him? Are you so caught up in, in your own religious mindset that you don't really think you need Jesus, but eventually you're going to be at the feet of Jesus one way or another? So then he goes on, right? And we have the next parable. Or not, not necessarily a parable, but the next, the next portion of scripture beginning with verse 20. And um, they decided to, to, again, they're trying to wrap up Jesus in his words. They're trying to get him caught up, Right. But my man, Jesus, he ain't, he ain't dumb. He ain't naive. He knows exactly what they're trying to do. Verse 20 says that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. So public opinion had kept them from stopping Jesus, right? If there weren't all these massive crowds following Jesus, the religious leaders would have one way or another, they would have found a way just to quietly get rid of Jesus, right? But Ultimately, these guys were politicians, right? They, want, they, they wanted to make the people happy. So now these enemies uh, of Christ, they tried to turn, um, they were going to try to try to, to turn the uh, public opinion against him by making Jesus appear as if he was going to be siding with the Romans. 
So it says they they sent spies, and the the the, the original language for spies is is um, has the idea of 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 setting an ambush, right? Trying to get them caught up. You know, someone who who hides in secret, and you know they're trying to listen and trying to hear and 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 set an ambush for you, right? These were men of immoral principles, and this is who the religious leaders were using against Jesus. They were, they were hired by these malicious Pharisees to do what they had already attempted to do, and that was catch Jesus in order to, to, in order to deliver him to justice. So they say, teacher, verse 21, we know that you say and teach rightfully, and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Now, this was a very, very clear, obvious, clumsy attempt to try to influence Jesus with, with flattery. They were, trying to, they were trying to boost Jesus up, boost up Jesus's ego, right? As if Jesus didn't know who he was, right? As if he was so naive that he was just going to be like, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, I do teach rightly, yeah. But no, they, they hoped to, Jesus was, was insecure. They hoped that he was foolish enough to be impressed by their hollow praise. But again, Jesus... Listen, Jesus is God. He knows what he's doing, right? And Jesus was not going to fall for this nonsense. So they ask him, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So there was a dilemma Jesus had here, right? If he said that taxes should be paid, he would be, be accused of, the, of, of denying the sovereignty of God over Israel, right? And that would make him very unpopular with the Jewish people. But if he said that taxes should not be paid, he was not going to make himself an enemy of Rome, right? So what does Jesus do, right? And a lot of us have, have read this. We just read it a second ago. You know, see, Rome had, had, had long required the Jews uh, in this region to pay taxes. Um, and since at least AD 46, um, excuse me, AD six, excuse me, they were, they were forced to pay taxes directly into the treasury of the emperor. And there were some Jewish patriots or, or zealots for, for a better word, they refused and they, they refused to recognize Rome as, as legitimate rulers. So Jesus says, why do you test me? Why do you test me? Verse 23, it's as if there was like just like exasperation in, in, in his voice, you know, you know, it's, it's easy to, to imagine um, Jesus like, you know, why do you keep testing me? You're always losing. You, you've lost continually. Why do you keep trying? How long are you going to try to get the best of me? You know, it's like as a parent, we know you have we have our kids. Right. And I'm going to talk about my son. I ain't going to talk about your kids. I'll talk about my kid who, you know, and he's much better now, you know, he's about to be 20 years old. So he's, he's, he, he knows his place, but when he was, you know, a teenager, a mid teenager, you know, you know, 14, 15, he would test and he would question and question and question and question and question. And it's like homeboy, because I said so, because I am your dad. Right. And I know what's best for you, you know, but dad, how about this dad? How about that? Listen, conversation's over, like we're done, right? Jesus is like, 
you keep asking me, you keep trying, you keep testing my patience, right? And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this is the way, this is the way, just listen, right? You know, how many parents here, you know, they've, when, when their kids have grown, going, going, you're just like, oh, oh, that's it, done, 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 stop, right? Exasperation, right? You know, and I see some heads nodding, you know, because you're like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, my kid just yesterday just tested my patience, right? But Jesus, you know, I, I have the, the, the sense that he was getting a little just frustrated. Like you keep, you, you keep coming at me. When are you just going to stop and listen? Listen to what I'm telling you. So Jesus, you know, being who he is, he knows exactly what to say, right? Verse 24, whose image and inscription does it have? So, so essentially, Jesus said, you recognize Caesar's civil authority when you use coins. So therefore, you're, you're, you're obliged to pay taxes because you're using his money. See, so, so the, the denarii, which was the coin they used, had the, had the head of Tiberius on it, the, the emperor, with the inscription, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. The, the 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 image and inscriptions of ancient coins would have been under understood as a property seal. So essentially, the coins belonged to Caesar because they had his picture on it. Right? It's it would be as if saying, you know, our coins that have you know Abraham and Washington, like they belong to Abraham and Washington. You know, they're just lent to us. It's kind of that idea, right? But the, a spiritual lesson can also be learned from what is inscribed on the coins. You know, even in, again, here in the U.S., because our coins have phrases on them, you know, in God we trust, liberty, right? The inscriptions on the coins, they mattered, especially in that day. You know, so he's, Jesus goes on to say, render, therefore, to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Jesus affirmed that the government government makes legitimate requests of us, and we're responsible. See, we're responsible to God in all things, but we also must be obedient to the government. Peter said, "Fear God, honor the king." In First Peter two seventeen, Jesus was saying that that we are citizens of heaven, yet we have to honor the government that we're under. See, every one of us. Every one of us who, who is a Christ follower, you know, we believe in Christ. We believe in what he did. We, we essentially, we have dual citizenship. We're citizens of earth by birth, but we're citizens of heaven by salvation. Jesus said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but, God, but give to God what is God's. Every one of us has, has the image of God impressed on us this means that we belong to god we don't belong to caesar we don't belong to the government we don't belong to the president the mayor the governors we don't even belong to ourselves we belong to god if god's image is impressed upon your spirit upon your soul we are obligated to give our everything to him Give all of us to him. That is the point of all of this. This, 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 
This distinguishes the jurisdiction of these two empires of heaven and earth. See, the, the image of, of princes or emperors or presidents stamped on coins that denotes uh, uh, that temporal things belong to the government, but the image of God stamped on the soul denotes that all its potential and powers belong to the most high God. Everything about us belongs to God. All of our gifts, all of our talents belong to God. So had the Jews um, rendered to, to, to God what he was due, they would have never had to have had to render anything to Caesar. If the Jews had been obedient and had truly uh, uh, been submissive to God, there would have never been all the captivities and all the, the, the enslavement and everything that they have been through. In the New Testament times, they would have never had to have endured the oppression, the, 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 the oppression of Rome if they had just been obedient to this covenant with God. Verse 26 says they could not catch him in his words. Jesus gave, he gave wise and appropriate answers to these questions. Nevertheless, they took this, the, the, Jesus' perfect answer and they twisted it. They twisted it into an accusation. If they had just truly listened to Jesus, truly listened to what he, he was saying and allowed God to speak to them, to speak to their hearts, things would have been so much different. But instead, the religious leaders took his words and they twisted it. Luke 23, verse 2, we found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ. A king. They still miss the point. The religious leaders still miss the point of what Jesus was trying to say, of what he was still trying to, uh, of what, what he was trying to tell them. So, brothers and sisters, as we close this 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 soap for this morning, whose image is on your soul? Whose image is on your heart? Is it God? Is it God or is it all the other things that you, you're putting more stock in? All the other things that are more important to you. Because if, if God's not on your heart, then just keep your focus on, on the nonsense around you. Keep your focus on, on everything else that you're following, that you're, you're investing in. But if, you're, if God is truly on your heart, if your soul has truly been impressed with his image, then you have no other obligation than to put everything towards God. To fully embrace who God is and what he has for your life. And I promise you, if you do that, your life will never be the same. If Israel had fully invested in God and they had, you know, completely focused, and, you know, and, we, and we've been reading the scriptures. We know some of the nonsense that they were doing. You know, God said, do this. And they were like, well, we want to do this. And they get in trouble, <laughs> you know, but if they had fully kept their focus on the Lord, they would have never been in the, in the, in the position they always, they, they always found themselves in being under, under, um, under the oppression of a foreign ruler.
So who are you following today, brothers and sisters? That's a that's a, a question that only you can answer for yourselves. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We just thank you for your word, Lord God. We thank you for, for its truth. We thank you that uh, even when we read passages of scripture that we've read over and over again, and we've heard sermons about, and we've heard teachings about, Father, we can still read your word and glean new truths from it, Father. So I pray, Lord, that, that you will continue to speak to us throughout this day. Continue to speak to us, Father, from what we've read today, Lord. Open up, our, open up our minds, open up our hearts, Lord God, just to, just to, to, to learn more about who you are and who you've designed us to be, Father. I pray for all my brothers and sisters on this call, Father. I pray for every home that's represented here. Everyone listening now or listening later on the blog or on the podcast, Father, just be with them, Lord. Speak to them, Father, when they're in their alone time, Lord. Make yourself even more real to them, Father. Lord, we praise you for what you're doing, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, love you guys, and I'll see you again next week. God bless.